Has anyone else ever disobeyed God and gotten into a jam and wondered if they would survive? Okay. Well, James shares, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Well, the Bible's full of examples of those who have disobeyed God. Remember Balaam in Numbers 22? God said, you shall not go with them. That's the men who wanted Balaam to curse God's people. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. He disobeyed, didn't he? And he had a donkey uh, speak to him. <laughs> or what about Saul as he disobeyed God in 1 Samuel 15:22, as the prophet Samuel shares, as the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Or then we even go to 2 Kings 18, 11 and 12, the tribes of Israel. Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in Halal and by the harbor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of our Lord, has commanded, for they would neither hear nor do them. Well, this morning, our study zeroes in on Jonah the prophet, who disobeyed God as we hear his cries from the belly. And that's the title of our message, Cries from the Belly, in Jonah chapter 2. So join me in, in Jonah chapter 2. And in this chapter of Jonah reveals four details of Jonah's cries from the belly. Jonah chapter 2, the entire chapter. But before we look at this chapter, we need to know a little background of the prophet Jonah. As we, uh, a few years ago, taught the sparks about Old Testament prophets, a prophet is a spokesman for God, like Elijah or Daniel or Elisha or Nehemiah, to name a few. And just by background here, Jonah hated the Ninevites. Nineveh was the largest city of its time, and it was known to be a very cruel city. When Nineveh's army defeated another army, they impaled the enemy soldiers and either burned them alive or tortured them, and then they'd finally cut off their heads. So Jonah knew all that. And we know in chapter 1, God had given him a mission. Chapter 1, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And, of course, Jonah reacts and did as he was told, right? Verse 3, Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship, was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God said, go this way. Jonah said, no, I'm going this way. 
And we all know great wind came up in chapter 1. Great wind came up, looked like the boat was going to sink, and they decided they would cast lots. And of course, who did the casting of the lots fall upon? Jonah. I wonder why. He confesses that he had disobeyed God. God said to go one place. He said, I'm going the opposite way. And reluctantly, remember, they didn't want to really throw Jonah overboard at first, did they? They were tossing everything off the side. And he said, the only way this storm is going to stop is if you throw me overboard. And so when he, they throw Jonah overboard, what happens? Anybody remember? What happens? The storm continues. It stopped. And there was like a mini revival going on with these sailors on the ship. As they did what they had to do, they threw him overboard. And now Jonah is going to drown, of course, isn't he? But now we come to our text for today, beginning in Jonah chapter 2. Because the end of verse 1 says, The Lord appointed a great fish. Actually, the word fish is a word for sea monster. I don't know what, uh, you know, I always heard it was a whale and then it was a fish. And, but literally it means sea monster. I don't know what exactly it was, but God appointed it to swallow Jonah. And you know, right away, the end of verse, chapter 1, verse 17, right away, what do we see? God's what? Grace. Boy, Jonah, when he was thrown over, he had no idea he had been disobedient that he would survive but God appointed a great fish a great sea monster to swallow Jonah and so where is Jonah when we get to chapter 2 he was in the stomach of the great sea monster three days and three nights how many have ever been inside a great sea monster (laughs) imagine what's all in there swallowing eating I don't know digesting Everything going on there. So now we pick it up with this first detail of Jonah and where he is and what's going to happen. And that we see Jonah's situation. Chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. Jonah prayed. Now he's inside the sea monster. He prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me. I cried for help when from the depth of Sheol thou didst hear my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All thy breakers and billows passed over me. This prophet is crying out. He knows he's been disobedient. He's inside of a great sea monster. He prays to the Lord. Is God from the fish's belly. When we get in those situations where we know we've disobeyed God, all we can do is cry out. Cry out from whatever situation we've caused because of our disobedience. So he goes down into the stomach. Jonah's in the stomach, the belly. But he's not out of God's sight, is he? How many reminders in Psalm 139... We can't go anywhere that God doesn't know that where we're at. Isn't that a, that's a comfort to know that. We can never be out of God's sight. 
Jonah's crying out. He's proclaiming loudly. He's calling out because of his affliction. Since he was in danger of drowning, he's fearful. He's afraid. Remember in chapter 1, the sailors were afraid they were going to drown. And they were crying out. What's going on? Whose God did we offend? And of course it was our great God. And Jonah had offended and disobeyed him. But the next phrase we see here in these first three verses, it says, And God answered me. Even when we're in a predicament because we've disobeyed God, one we've caused ourselves, and we cry out, it says here with Jonah, God answered me, just like he answers us. How often has God answered our prayers when we've been disobedient? I remember telling one inmate, one thing I praise God for every day and that they need to think about every day is God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on me. doesn't throw in the towel. doesn't say I've had it. not going to deal with that John Schroeder anymore. He's, he's beyond. He doesn't do that. He shows us grace every day. Warren Worsby shares, Prayer is one of the miracles of the Christian life. To think that our God is so great that he can hear the cries of millions of people at the same time and deal with their needs personally. Think about that. So true. Jonah's prayers, unlike the prayers of Daniel, when Daniel prayed for his country in Daniel 9, Daniel set his face toward the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplication. He prepared with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Jonah wasn't doing that here, was he? He was inside the stomach of a a great sea monster. But Daniel, through his life, was a faithful prayer warrior. He stood up. It could have cost him his life with the lion's den, but he was still faithful to God. Because our only source here on this earth, our true source is God. And we need to keep that communication going. We need to be obeying His Word. We need to be living for Him day by day. Because He's the only one we can depend on totally. Nehemiah, remember Nehemiah? He saw the predicament of his fellow citizens in Nehemiah 1.4 because he sent somebody down to find out how his fellow citizens were doing with the walls that were broken down. And then it says in Nehemiah 1.4, So it was when I heard these words, the bad report, Nehemiah sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I got to thinking about their prayer lives, Daniel and Nehemiah, and I think about our country. Do we spend time praying for the United States of America? that we get back on track, that we become once again one nation under God, that we pray for the leaders that they will see only true wisdom is from above, not here on earth. 
Verse 2 continues, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Some commentators say, well, Jonah died. I don't believe he died here. But he's in a catastrophe, very close to death. You ever had a close call? I still remember, well, it's been almost 11 years ago when we were hit head on in a car accident. And it happened so quickly, you, you think about it later, but you don't know at the moment, and people come around you and they say, are you okay? You don't know if you're okay. You just had something happen in a few seconds. But it was a close call, but God still continued to have my wife and I still here on this earth for a purpose. And so every day I look at is a gift from God. It's another day to serve the Lord here on this earth. Isn't that a great privilege? What an honor we have. Psalm 30 verse 3 says, O Lord, you have brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. I remember also one other close call that I had. At least I thought it was a close call. I was a young teenager. I think I was like 13, 14. Just learned how to swim. And I was at a camp and I thought, all my buddies here, they're swimming across the pool. That's no big deal. <laughs> well, I thought, you know, it's not a big deal to swim across the pool. Well, I got about halfway across, and I thought, man, I, I don't think I'm going to make it. You know how it happens when you're going down second, third time? I prayed. I said, Lord, help me to get across. And I did all those thrashing and everything else and finally made a cross. And... Uh, I was thankful. I thought, wow, you know, the Lord uh, helped me there. It was another close call. Anybody ever had trouble with water beside me? Okay. It can be scary when you, when you panic and you're not sure you're going to make it across, but God helps us through those times. Verse 3 relays more of the situation. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me, all thy breakers and billows passed over me. This prophet Jonah recognized even though God had saved him from drowning, he was being judged by God for his disobedience. He knew it was from God. It wasn't the sailors that decided that, was it? It was God saying, hey, I need you to wake up, Jonah. I need you to do what I ask you to do to begin with. And so by grace, he provided the sea serpent, the, the great sea monster to swallow him, but he knew he was being disciplined. And discipline, God does it, why? Because he loves us. He just let us go our own way. It's not like God saves us and says, well, just do whatever you want the rest of the time on earth. He says, I need you to live for me. And if I can't get your attention, if you're not obeying me, I'll do what it takes to wake you up. I had a young man this last week, 25 years old, he said, Chaplain, I've had three times I should be dead. I drove 100 miles an hour on a motorcycle, lost control when somebody turned in front of me. I drove a car 120 miles an hour and hit a tree. He said, The third time, I was going 130 miles an hour on the interstate and lost control and flipped over eight times. He said, I should be dead. I said, What is God saying to you? 
he getting your attention? He says, oh, yes, he is, chaplain. I need, I need Jesus. It's so amazing to see God working, to just be a witness to see how he works in lives, just like he has in ours, and calling us to him. Well, Jonah accepted his discipline from God, and we need to always determine, too, do we accept that discipline? It's for our good. It's to help us wake up. It's help us say, don't waste another minute on this earth because you may only have another hour. We don't know. Only God does. Well, we'll move on to the second detail, Jonah's prayer, verses 4 to 7. So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy holy temple. Water encompassed me to the very soul. The very deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But thou hast brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to thee into thy holy temple. Jonah, in disobedience and rebellion, was going down. Down to Joppa, down into the sides of the ship, down to the bottoms of the mountains, down into the fishes, into the sea monster's belly. The only way we can go when we turn from God is down. Here Jonah, who was going down, was in a position to look up. I had a friend while I was growing up. His name was Art. He was a multimillionaire. And in two days, he lost everything. He was laying flat on his back in a hospital. Had a heart attack. He said, finally, now I have to look back up. God got his attention. He had a new outlook. He was tied in with his money and all that he had. And God said, I'm going to take it away so I can get your attention again. And he gave the rest of his life in serving the Lord. Sharing the riches of this world aren't the answer. God's the only answer. In faith, Jonah looked up, it says, into God's holy temple. God had Jonah's attention at the brink of death. To look to his only hope, and that was God. We also have the reminder of Psalm 18.6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple. My cry came before him, even to his ears. God hears us. Isn't that something to praise him for? We have a God who hears us. How many pray to God? Gods or other idols in this world, they pray and they don't hear, but our God does. We as believers have the promise of Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Jonah looked and claimed the covenant promise of 1 Kings 8. We claim the promises of Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 4.12, nor is, there, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And of course, Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved. 
through faith, not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Even when we're disobedient and turned our backs on God, He, our Heavenly Father, never turns His back on us. God is faithful. Praise the Lord. He's faithful. God's Word reminds us in Psalm 89.8, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. Psalm 36.5, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Are we thankful God is faithful? Every day, He's faithful to us. Psalm 119.90, your faithfulness endures to all generations. And of course, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? Jonah learned as an Old Testament prophet that God was still faithful to him. As God shows his faithfulness to us every day. When we cry for help like Jonah or Peter when he was walking on the water and turned his eyes elsewhere in Matthew 14, God is always there. Always. Third detail, Jonah's repentant heart. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to thee. With the voice of thanksgiving, that which I have vowed I will pay, salvation is from the Lord. Likely, Jonah's vows had to do with fulfilling the mission God had given to him where? Way back in 1 verse 2. Go to Nineveh and preach what I've told you to preach. This prophet had tried to run, but we can't run away from God. One inmate said, It's by the grace of God, he said, I'm even in jail. He said, I should be dead on the streets. That's where he was headed. Jonah confesses having idols before God in his life was not right. It's not right for us as well. An idol being anything that takes away from God, that obedience that only belongs to God. What about in our lives? You say, well, I don't have any idols sitting around. I don't have a little statue of something sitting on on my fireplace. What are idols today? What idols have we put more time and effort and focus on rather than trusting in God? Corey Ten Boom The last year she was here on this earth, you all remember who she is? She survived World War II and the the Holocaust, saw her whole family die in the concentration camps, and she survived. She said her last year, and one of the times she was sharing, she said, she told Chuck Swindoll, she said, Chuck, I've learned in my life not to hang on to things too tightly because it hurts when God has to pry my fingers loose. That's true. If we're hanging on to the wrong things too tightly, it hurts. And God will pry those fingers loose. Why? Because He loves us. We need to be hanging on to who? Jesus. 
Got to hang on to him. He's hanging on to us. But sometimes we push him away. Sometimes we say, Lord, I'll handle this. And then we get in a big mess and we say, Lord, help me. I didn't handle this well. I did it my way, the wrong way, instead of your way. Every day we have a choice. Am I going to serve God today or am I going to serve self? The world says, well, that's easy. Serve self. You're worth it. You're number one. We hear that everywhere, don't we? But God says, obey me because I know the path you need to be on. I know how I can use you today, but you've got to allow me to work in your life. Just like he wanted to work in Jonah's life. And Jonah said, no, I'd rather go my own way. God said, no, no, you're not. I'm going to grab you back. I'm not going to let you drown. I'm not going to let you die inside the sea monster, but you're going to do the mission that I called you to do to begin with. And what is our mission here on earth once we're a believer in Christ? To obey Him and to live for Christ, to show that Jesus Christ is real because they can see Jesus in our lives. Not that we'll ever be perfect, but we are striving to be more like Christ every day. That's our goal. You think the world needs an answer? (laughs) Now more than ever. We all have unique places that we can show Jesus to others by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we handle things, because Jesus is on our side and he'll never desert us. Verse 8, Jonah promises to pay what I have vowed to do what God told him to do in the first place and not run away. That's what God wanted Jonah to learn. And of course, we all know, people forget about Jonah chapter 4. Did he learn? Well, we won't go that far today. But sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We say, well, God, you're so full of grace, I'm afraid you're going to show grace to those people and you're not going to burn them up? Wow, it makes me mad. (laughs) But he showed grace to us, so we in turn are to show grace to others and pray that God shows grace to others. Are there any other idols that can get in the way of serving God? Say, well, I, I don't know of any of those, but... What about sports? Oh, boy. John, you shouldn't have mentioned that one. I like, I like to watch every sport on TV. I like to go to all the games I can. And I don't really have time to do this for the Lord. I don't have time for that. Can that consume all our time or a job that runs our lives? Or a position of prestige that replaces time with the family. Whatever it is, if it gets in the way of having God number one in our lives, it needs to be getting rid of. It needs to be way down on the list. Not replacing time with God. The last phrase of verse 8 says, Salvation is what? It's of the Lord. Of the Lord. By God's grace, from start to finish and forever, our salvation is of the Lord. He begins it, He ends it. Can we ever thank Him enough? Can we ever worship Him enough? Live for Him enough? 
To repay what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary? No. But every day is another day we can continue to say, Lord, I want you first in my life. I want to show you that you are number one. Fourth detail, verse 10, Jonah's deliverance. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited. I don't know that word. We don't like to say much. It vomited Jonah up on the dry land. There's the deliverance. Isn't that awesome? He didn't have to spend more than three days inside that great sea monster. Vomited him so he could do what God told him to do in the first place. And the interesting thing is, just like in the book of Genesis, God commanded and it was done. Sea monster didn't say, I don't know about that. I kind of like Jonah inside there. No, did immediately what God said. He's the creator of the universe. He was given another chance to obey God and fulfill the mission God had given him in chapter 1. How many second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever number chances has God given us again in our lives? And we look back, you say, well, I wouldn't have been like Jonah. Oh, got to be careful. When we've disobeyed our Heavenly Father and turned from Him, how often does He have to discipline us to get our focus back and allow us to continue another day on this earth? We're ambassadors for the Lord while we walk through this life. When God disciplines us like Jonah, there's always a purpose, isn't there? believe each of us has a purpose on this earth as long as God wakes us up in the morning here on this earth. And then someday, we may not wake up here on this earth, we'll wake up in the presence of God. What a hope. As believers, we have the hope that we can share with others. Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's an old hymn, and I'm not going to sing it, don't be afraid. This world is not my home. Anybody else know that? Quartet song. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We shouldn't feel at home here. We're ambassadors. God chose us. He saved us to walk on this earth and live for Him that others will see that God makes a difference in our lives. Have we ever been like Jonah instead of like P.O.W. Daniel or faithful Nehemiah? If so, what have we learned from that event in our life? God is long-suffering toward us and He never lets go of us. God hears our cries from the belly, whatever situation we're in. However, we've disobeyed God and He puts His loving arms around us and say, please learn this, son. Please learn it. Learn that I'm the answer. I'm the one you need to go to. I'm the one you cry out to. Even when we've been disobedient. And God will hear us and He continues to love us. That's bound prayer. Father, Thank you for the reminder here with Jonah. Father, we're too much like Jonah many times. Father, thank you that you are faithful. You are long-suffering. You hear our cries for help, and you don't give up on us. Thank you for 
the privilege to be called your sons and daughters. We pray that we will live for you today and every day to follow that you allow us on this earth. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.